Welcome to the Filipino American Woman Project, also known as TIFA Project for short, a podcast show that features stories and life lessons told by American women of Filipino descent. We're your co-hosts, Jen Amos. And I'm Nani Dominguez. And thank you for joining us. If today's conversation resonates with you, text us and let us know at 415-484-8329. And if you want to show us some love, buy us boba at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jen and Nani. It says coffee, but we love boba. Again, that's www.buymeacoffee.com slash Jen and Nani. Awesome. With that said, thank you all for your love and support. Now let's get into the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Filipino American Woman Project here during the month of Filipino American History Month. As always, I am your creator and co-host, Jen Amos. And of course, I have my amazing co-host with me, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back. Hey, everyone. What's up? Yes. And I just have to say, I know like you've already been back, but it's just been great to like actually have (laughs) you back. And like, especially as we, you know, kick off this month strong and end it strong for Filipino American History Month. So just thank you. Thank you again for powering through motherhood to show up, (laughs) you know, for our show. Yes. Well, thank you for being flexible. And we will probably be interrupted at some point soon (laughs) by my baby who is going to wake up at any minute now and start screaming for some milk. So yeah, if you guys have been listening to the episodes leading up to this one, you probably have already heard that happen (laughs) and it's only going to continue to happen. So (laughs) yeah, so get used to it at least for the rest of this month. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for your grace. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate it and we love you all for it and for your continuous support. So all that being said, Nani, we are excited as we always are, but this is actually a special conversation because you are once again introducing our Tifa Project family to another one of your family members. So would you like to go ahead and do the honors of introducing our guest for today? Yes. So today I'm bringing another family member to you all. Like Jen said, this is my cousin Kiani. Kiani, welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Yes. So Kiani, welcome to the show. I know that we already did some kind of note taking before we got started offline. So I'm just really excited and I'm really looking forward to our kind of candid conversation for today. Nani, I want to ask you really quick, first and foremost, yes, Kiani is one of your relatives, but more importantly, what compelled you to invite her to our show today? Yes. So Kiani is special in our family because she gets to teach all of our kids now that all of us cousins and, you know, for them, their siblings are all having babies. Kiani (laughs) actually teaches Filipino studies and has taught that with a previous guest that we've had that she actually introduced us to, Ate Allison, which is episode, I don't know, we'll fill it in later (laughs) and it will be in the show notes. But if you guys listen to that episode, if you know who she is, if you're in the San Francisco like academic world, then you probably already know Ate Allison and the PEP program. So Kiani can give us a little more background on her involvement in that. But yes, she is lucky in the sense that she gets to pass all that wisdom down to our kids. And for Filipino American History Month, this month especially, I wanted to bring her on and get just share with you guys her background and how she kind of plans to do that with her kid as well as mine (laughs) (laughs) and how she also does that, you know, already with her students. 
Yes. And just as a quick reminder to our listeners, as Nani had mentioned, you can listen to Ate Allison in her episode, which was actually one year ago, BT Dubs. So her episode was oh 70. Yeah. Could you believe? Episode Time 70- flies. Yeah, right. So episode 25, which was titled, Our Story is the One Thing That Belongs to Us, Filipino American History Month. So one year ago, special with Dr. Allison Tintianco Cabales. But yeah, it's just so crazy to think one year later, here we are with you, Kiani. So Kiani, I know that Nani and I talked a lot already. So do you have any opening thoughts? Oh, it's just great to be here. And I can't wait to share my story. I didn't even think about it, how I'm going to be the one to teach <laughs> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> oh, wow, I was like, oh my gosh, everything's on me right now. <laughs> no, but um, that's actually pretty special too because I feel like I missed out on that with my grandma passing really early. So I, I wanted to become a teacher, mm-hmm. and I wanted to become a teacher because. You know, I thought I loved kids, or I do love kids, and I thought I love kids until now. I was really good working with them. I always did after-school programs. I could do this. I want to do this for my future. So it was, it was the kids first, right? Mm. So I got into state, and I saw this class that I had to take, and it was Filipino American literature and culture or art and culture. And I was like, wow, I've never taken a Filipino class ever. And I was like, oh, let's do this. Let's do this. And I remember walking into that class and it was packed. It was packed because everyone wanted to be in that class and I was on the wait list. And when Ata Allison came in, she came in with her Louis Vuitton bag. And <laughs> so she, this is on purpose. So she came in with like a hairstyle, Louis Vuitton bag, and she came in with a fan, like, like on purpose. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my God, what kind of class am I in? This is so <laughs> crazy. But I was like, that looks like my tita, you know? Oh, is this tita? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> looks like my tita. What? Is this the teacher, you know? After that, that whole entire class, I just felt, this is amazing. I hope I could stay in this class. I'm on the wait list. And if you know anything about state, if you're on the wait list, it's easy to, you know, not like, be accepted. But Knowing Ate, and this is pre-COVID too, knowing Ate, I was like, if you could bring a chair, you could be in my class. I was like, all right, you know? So <laughs> everyone wanted to be in her class. The catch was you had to read all her books. Like not her books, but just the books she assigned. You know, I was like, oh my God, I'm not a great reader. I haven't read a full book in so long. But the books she introduced us to were, you know, America's in the Heart. And then the ones by... You know, Manangdan. We call her Manangdan. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a lot of books that I've never seen about my culture. And I started reading. I would read everywhere. I would read in the car. And I would get car sick, but I was still reading. <laughs> and then I would read any chance I got. And I used to commute. So it was uh, from Vallejo. So it was on the ferry to Muni to my school on my way to class. I was just into it because... I never read a book that was about me. And then I started questioning why. And we got into it in her class too. Like, why isn't my culture being seen in elementary school? You know, why haven't I learned about this? How come I didn't know about these people? And so I wanted to know more. I was hungry for it. And she introduced Pep to me because she knew I wanted to be a teacher. 
And so PEP, it's not only for people who aspire to be teachers, but it's for, you know, people who are, who are interested in the culture or just, you know, want to be in that community. And I just jumped in. It's like, yeah, I'm going to apply. Oh my gosh. Once I applied and got through the pro, there's a whole interview because they really want to know if you're in it. It's being in the program is it's pretty rigorous. It's like a master's class. You know, you're teaching, you're doing lessons plans, you're going to meetings that end at 10. It's a lot. So after that interview, it's like, okay, I'm willing to do this. I really want to know about my culture. And when they told me they teach it for younger kids, I was shocked. I was like, they have this? They have this in San Francisco? Oh my gosh, why is this only here? So I really wanted to be in it. And I got a position and I started teaching in San Francisco. And it's been such a fun journey after that. I even learned about myself. Mm. It made me realize that I felt kind of disconnected from being Filipino because I wasn't fluent. Mm. I didn't know Tagalog. I didn't know Kampampangin. I don't know why, I, I don't know why I'm saying that because I'm not Kampampangin. I think my, my husband is. <laughs> yeah. But like, he doesn't know either. But um, I always felt disconnected because I didn't know my language. And I always felt ashamed when I would run into some people, I don't know, some strangers at like the grocery store. Oh, you're Filipino? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 you're Filipino too. Oh, you speak Tagalog? I'm like, oh, uh, some, I know some, I know the bad words, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's my response too. <laughs> yeah, and they're all, oh, I'm like, and it's already judged, you know? Yeah. Okay, so are you judging how Filipino I am now just because I don't know the language? So that really showed me that I had trauma from that. Yeah. Like not, I get that. Right. Like not feeling Filipino enough. Yeah. But Pep, Pep kind of showed me that. And being a teacher, I got to even teach the language. It's like, oh, wow, this is cool. But it made me realize that it's not the language that makes you Filipino American. So it's kind of interpreting the past. So my parents weren't born here. And you have to kind of question the reason why they came to America and what I got out of that. And what I got out of that is my career, a a great life, you know, living in a diverse area and teaching that here now. So let me jump back. So taught Filipino history, such a big journey. I met people that are still my best friends today in that program. We still, we still jump back and forth about resources. I'm like, okay, what can I use to implement more ethnic studies in my class? You know? So that's that. So after I was done with PEP, um, I went into the credential program, became a teacher, but here's where it changed my whole perspective of being in PEP. I wanted to become a teacher because I loved kids and I thought working with kids, I was good at. But after being in PEP, it opened this huge perspective of I want to teach kids who look like me you know and I want to teach in a place where they could learn about Filipino history so when I was applying for schools in San Francisco there were only two schools that had that program not to disregard any other school Mm -hmm. but I felt as a Pinay it was important for me to teach other Pinays and Pinoys yes so I was fighting for that and I am so glad and fortunate to be working at a school where they allow me to have the freedom to teach about myself, yeah. about my culture, and use books that are by Filipino writers, you know? And because looking back at it, I don't think I read a book 
by Filipino authors. At their yeah, time. they're like hard to find. Books. Yeah, like chapter books, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just interesting to see how much they connect. And I get to use the language in my class. Like I call each table by, I say, la mesa dalawa, like to the apombra, you know? La mesa apat. It's just cool. And, they, and it's not only that I'm teaching Filipinos, but I have a wide demographic too. So I have African-American, I have Muslim, I have Latino, and they're learning about, you know, Filipinos. So it's yeah. pretty tight. So yeah, that's, that's where it is in my education world and why I want to be a teacher to brown folks, you know, especially through that ethnic studies lens. And I just, I'm grateful for Ata Allison to instill that kind of value in me. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's like such a rare opportunity. And like you said, there's only two really like schools that offer that. And so just how lucky you are and how blessed you are to be able to participate in that. And um, I wonder when you teach your Filipino history now, like, is that curriculum something that the school gives you or is that something that they give you free reign with? Like you find your own resources. That's a good question. So it's actually, I use Killer Sun for Kids, which is written by um, some other folks, but Atta Allison's one of the main ones, of course. Oh, okay. So we, there's a lot of resources that at the Allison and a lot of other folks who are in PEP that made our curriculum. And also we have another lead that provides like sentence frames and things we could teach for the class. So that also made me realize too, where can I find my history? And people are really, they're constantly building a curriculum also made me want to do it too with one of my friends because like where's I, I want more of this and it's I never thought of writing my own curriculum but because of seeing other ones before me and doing it it just motivates me and empowers me to do the same thing so it's yeah. crazy how the spiral with that yeah that's interesting I also wonder so before you joined our big Filipino family, because for those who don't know, Kiani is married into our family by my cousin, Kali'i. And before you were married into our family, you come from your own big ass Filipino family. (laughs) She is like one of seven sisters, six sisters. How many sisters do you have? Gosh, I lose count all the time. Yeah, I think seven. I think, let's see, me, there's me, there's Paige, Kylie, Tasha, Boo, Raven. So there's, oh, and my sister-in-law. So yeah, seven. Seven sisters. Okay, so yeah, you come from your own big-ass Filipino family. And so I wonder, as you're going through this as a college student, you know, learning about your history and going through the PEP program and discovering that you want to teach not only kids, but like Filipino kids, and you want to teach Filipino culture and studies, did you have kind of like those conversations with your family, with your parents, like, you know, on why they came to America, like how life was like when they were, you know, born in the Philippines and like, how did you kind of connect the dots from what you were learning in school and in your programs to what you knew at home and like what your family life was? Right. That's a great question. It did being in PEP, and learning more about being Filipino really opened up the conversations with my mom. And a lot of it was questioning and what did you do? How did you grow up? Why did you come here? But the big question was, why am I the way I am? Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of, we were talking a lot and my mom was telling me, oh, which is crazy. Cause I just did this with 
with my students here. So I opened conversations with my mom and a lot of it was what makes me me. And I realized that a lot of it is just how she treats others. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, Filipinos, you come into their house, you could be any ethnicity, anything, and they're, oh, let's go eat. It's just the hospitality, you know, the hospitality, the nurturing, being resourceful. My mom definitely inhibited that bye-bye land, you know, just yeah. really being someone I could call anytime. And I'm like, man, I don't think all moms are like that. And I was like, why is my mom? And I think it's just generations of generations of being that bye-bye land to others, being that mother to their family, taking care of them. It's like, that's totally a penai. You're always taking care of someone. You're making sure they feel welcome, making sure they're um, taken care of, making them feel welcome, making sure they're fed, just constantly mothering them. And I think that's where I get that from. Mm -hmm. And which translates into how I am as a mother, just making sure she's okay and making, giving her the world, you know, and I could see how my grandparents wanted to give my mom the world. You know, it's a little different, the world's a little different from theirs, but right. my mom just shared this too. Um, my grandparents came here with only a thousand dollars in their pocket mm -hmm. to start a new life and look where it's brought their family. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah generations not, later. Right. And I'm sure you've heard it a lot, but like I'm my ancestors while dreamed. Wow. You know, Filipinos have been, you know, shamed. They've been colonized. They've just been everyone, or not everyone, but you know, the society's always trying to erase them for some reason. Mm -hmm. you no, know, but here I am teaching it in my class. So I, I think that's just a crazy thing for me and gets me emotional sometimes because I know, I think of my grandparents when I'm teaching this, like, man, I wish I had more of a conversation with them before they pass. Yeah. But it just helps me honor my culture too. And I actually got, after I learned Babayan, like I got that tattooed on me. So it's their- Yeah, that's so cute. What does it say? It's Makaisa. So their last name is Makaisa, but- in Filipino, you know, it's Makaisa. So they're always with me. And so when I see it, I'm just, I just feel proud to be Filipino. And yeah, I am. Yeah. And so much of that does come from our grandparents. And I feel the same way. I mean, you were there when Papa Pink died, my grandpa. Right. And, you know, I was crying like a baby. And part of that is, you know, I was on, I had just started this like journey similar to how you were going through, you know, your personal kind of identity crisis when you're in college. For me, it was a lot later in life. And I wish that I got to have those conversations with him. And I did try to, you know, a few times, but you knew Papa, he was like very <laughs> one word answers, <laughs> like hard to really pull information like that out of. And I think a lot of that was also trauma informed. And so like you were saying before, we are doing the same now with our kids and with the younger generations that we're talking to, whether it's the listeners on this podcast or the students in your classroom. And, you know, we're just so fortunate to have a language to actually pass that culture down and pass that information down to them. Whereas for us, it was a lot harder to gain because the resources were so limited, even with our own families. So I think that that just 
I want to just praise your work even more for that because it is still very scarce. Like it is really still hard to like find these resources, especially if you're not a part of one of those programs, you know, how do you find Filipino books? How do you find a book like America's in the heart to like start you off on your journey to connect with your roots? You know, it's, it's a very like long and tumultuous process to even get in touch with those. So Yeah, it's amazing that little kids, you know, as young as fifth grade can start learning about Filipino studies, Filipino history, Filipino culture, even if they're not Filipino, or especially if they're not Filipino, because I think that it's one thing for us to like, you know, accept and acknowledge the importance of like hyping our own selves and our own cultures. But it's another thing for us to, for other people to like, you know, become allies and also want to hype our culture to other people. You know, it just like the visibility. So that's true. And so the community I work in is huge Filipino community. So I think, you know, it's important to learn about this community if you're, you know, going to school in it as well. And my students, they respond well to it. It's like they want to learn. And I try to connect it. So when we learn about, so I've taught them about colonization in the Philippines and like heroes in the Philippines. I try to relate it back to now, you know, like, why is this important? Like, why do we need to learn it now? Mm-hmm. They'll get it. So it's Filipino history or Philippine history actually is relatable to any culture. You know, it's just kind of like the feelings of what they went through and how we can make it, you know, a better place. And, so, and it's a lot of kapwa. And I teach them that a lot. Mm-hmm. So, my whole point in my class is to feel like a family. And of course, see, I'm raised as from my mom, making sure everyone feels like a family and a lot of kapwa and a lot of kaibigan kind of spirit in here. So family style. Yeah, it's just totally, I want my students to feel seen and heard. And also, since I felt disconnected with my culture, with not knowing the language, a super important thing for me to make sure that my students in here who aren't fluent feel seen. Like you're Filipino enough. Yeah. You, know, you don't need to know. The language is cool. The language is nice to know. You know, you could communicate with your elders, but that doesn't make you any less Filipino. Yeah. So I had to make sure that they're not being shamed by their own culture because they're not knowing it. And mm-hmm. then I'll even ask them to, it's like, okay, what do you want to learn? So just in case, you know, something comes up, they can, learn it you know yeah and so much of being Filipino is I think we talked about this in our interview I don't know if you watched with Auntie Jen and Fredette Mm -hmm. and I was kind of telling them like what does it mean for you guys to be a Filipino American woman because I feel like whatever I know or whatever I identified with really came from you know watching you guys as I was growing up and it's not like they speak either You know, and so, so much of what they were saying is that it's not necessarily about the language, but about the like cultural values and like just the vibes. Like, I don't know how to describe it. We'll have to like re-listen to that interview, but it's not just about the language. And I think that that's something that all of us, like in our generation have experienced being like shamed for not knowing or like, you know, kind of for not knowing, dismissed, I guess, for not knowing. And that's really dying with us. Like we're making sure to like dead that because it's damaging. It's traumatizing, like you said, and it makes you just turned off by yourself. And I think that that goes back to that whole idea that Jen and I talked about a lot earlier on the show, like season one of this podcast is like that self-loathing Filipina. 
And I think all of us have experienced those feelings in one way or another at some point. Well, I guess I'll just jump in now. I just really enjoyed listening to you guys both. Um, no, I thank you. Uh, thank you, Nani, for carrying the conversation. I know it's easy because it's obviously your cousin here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's so much, Tiani, and everything that you shared. But the first question I, I want to ask you, just so our listeners know, what does PEP stand for in case they're interested in the program? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give us some background. Yeah. yeah. So PEP stands for, so the first P is Pinoy Panay. So that's the mm. first E, Pinoy Panay, Educational Partnerships. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so you would write it. <laughs> yeah. So you would, you would actually write, if you write it in one, if you write it out, it's P-I-N and then with the at sign Y. So you have the A and the O. And then, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. That makes so no sense. Yeah. And then it's Educational Partnerships. Awesome. Well, thank you for explaining that. And, you know, I always thought that was just like people trying to be cool with the at sign, but that totally makes sense now. <laughs> you have, you know, P-I-N at sign Y, because like you said, it accommodates uh, both you know, yes. genders. And then of course, with Philippine X, that accommodates like the gender neutral, uh, people who identify as gender neutral or non-binary. So I think that's a very fascinating to, you know, be reminded how multifaceted our community, you know, really is. So the thing that resonated the most with me, Kiani, and hearing you talk is you said earlier, it's like, how is it that, like, it just seems like everything keeps trying to erase us. And yet here I am. And I love that you said that because I'm thinking about even just my own personal journey right now, where my family and I are trying to uncover my dad's story. So a little backstory, like he served in the military, actually, well, I'm learning a lot more, but he served in the military for about 18 and a half years in America. And unfortunately, we lost him while he was on active duty. And till this day, we don't know how we lost him. So it's been 20 years now. It's been a big mystery. And good old Stacy, our resident historian here at the Tifa Project, has invited Nani and I to contribute to their, what do you call it, the, the Philippine American History Month timeline for military families or Filipinos involved in the military. And And in my journey of trying to write, you know, kind of piece together my dad's history, I got really emotional. I mean, literally like all Saturday, like no joke, I was probably like my husband was kind of going in and out of the house because I just kept bawling. Like as I was like going through (laughs) some stuff and he's all like, do you you need anything? Can I get you like anything? He's like, I'm going to step out. (laughs) Like he kind of knew, but he didn't know how to comfort, but you know what I mean? But anyway, at the end of the day, when I was kind of summarizing, because Stacey was asking us to share like what does it mean for you to know about your dad's like military history it came down to me feeling like well like knowing his history is a way for my family to feel seen and therefore for me to feel seen just because of just this whole cultural thing about our community or it's like our community is notorious for forgotten history right Mm -hmm. and so the fact that we are in this space today you know for our generation to you know, not have to like hide those stories. We can actually excavate these old stories and revive them and bring them to light and interpret them in a way for what it means to us and what it means in the future and how do we apply that. And I love how you said, you know, because I didn't feel seen, like I'm going to do what I can to help the next generation feel seen. And I think that's what we're all collectively trying to do now is to just make everyone feel seen. And, you know, Nani and I are going to be going on break 
in November for the show, unless everyone follows us on Chismas with Jen and Nani, which you can learn more about at biasboba.com, BT Dubs, shameless plug there. But it's actually interesting. I haven't shared this with you yet, Nani, but I've been having like this odd anxiety of like, should I stop? Like, because here's what my mind was thinking the other day. If I stop showing up, will I disappear? Will I feel forgotten? Like, will, will everything we're doing be forgotten? And I know, mm. I know you both are gonna be like, Oh, of course not, Jen, like stop that. But that's an inherent fear. And, yeah. and so I think in continuing to show up in this way and to have this conversation with you, Keani, it just, you know, it, it's really like, I don't know how to describe it other than like, it, it does make me feel emotional to know, like, I don't have to do this alone anymore. I know that collectively, and this is what I was sharing with Stacy collectively we want this so even if Nani and I take a break it's not like that's the end of it <laughs> you know like right. there are so many people in our community that want to continue to make us feel seen I was just thinking I mean I definitely share those sentiments I feel the same way especially after just having not been podcasting for like a month you know after I had the baby I do have those feelings of like, oh, does anyone care? Like, you know, does this still matter? Does this work still matter? And it's helpful, you know, the one day that you took to like really go through all of the feedback that we had received and not responded to yet and take a day to like really respond to everybody and CC me on all those emails was like such a great reminder, which is also why we highly encourage you guys in every episode to interact with us, whether that be through the newsletter, texting us on our number, leaving a voicemail message, sending us an email. And we just, again, can't find the words to really describe how much we appreciate when you actually do that, because it does make it feel like this all counts for something. And even if we do take a break, like Jen said, on Christmas with Jen and Nani, especially, that's where we really try to put the guests that we've already had on Tifa in the past continue to community build with them and put them on a pedestal to like highlight the great work that they're doing because so many of them, you know, it's not just a one and done interview. And then, you know, we say bye-bye. It's like, we keep in touch with those people and we keep tabs on what they're doing and they're all doing such great work for the community in their own respective ways from, you know, like meditation circles to cooking and everything in between, you know, family style stuff and business style stuff. Like there's just so much great work that they all have to kind of share. And Chismas with Jen and Nani is where we give them kind of like step aside and hand them the mic to go ahead and teach you what they know. In addition to already having gotten to know them, their story and the lessons that they wanted to impart on the community. So Yes, make sure you subscribe over there on biasboba.com. <laughs> yes, if you're feeling the FOMO feelings <laughs> with us, <laughs> check us out at biasboba.com. Uh, Keani, I just want to check in with you, see if you had any thoughts based on what we shared so far. I did want to say before I don't say or before I forget that this, what the work you do is so amazing. And I think it's important to really highlight the woman, you know, especially because being a woman is something that is another thing that the society has made us feel inferior. So yeah, this kind of work and finding out from, from Nani or Patricia, <laughs> when I found out that she did this, I was amazed. I was, what? <laughs> you know, and it's, I just, I, I appreciate you both for doing this work. It's a lot of work. And I do want to point out too, that it's okay to rest. You know, we're in a world that, you know, we have to keep on fighting, you know, keep on doing this, you know, you have to, or, or you're done. No, it's okay to rest and reset. You know, it makes you feel human again to take a breather. 
So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And I guess mutual, like for all of us, I, I appreciate this moment to have all of us feel seen, you know, by each other. So thank you, you know, Kiani for sharing that. And, you know, it's actually kind of interesting. So also in addition to what you're saying, in taking these recent days to really uncover my dad's story and work on his timeline. And then the point of losing him, which was already 23 years ago. Another thing that I included in my writing is my mom's thankless sacrifices of having to raise us after dad. Like here I was, you know, for most of my life, actually, especially my teens, even though I wasn't the eldest, I was the eldest daughter. And so my mom, and this is what I learned through therapy. This is how she helped me reframe it. My mom trusted me a lot growing up. And so therefore I was responsible for a lot. And I can say that now, (laughs) but you know, it's like, like looking back, I remember just all the years of, especially when I started to want to learn about dad, like how much I valued him, his absence over my mom's presence. And so part of this whole journey of, you know, remembering is not just my dad, but my mom, you know, just without complaining, you know, raised three kids under 11 after dad. And no matter what I put her through, she still dealt with it. And even till this day, you know, it's like, she still loves me. And there's something like just I mean, just that unconditional love that I so took for granted for such a long time. And so once again, I have to thank Stacy for having Nani and I do this exercise because it, it really helped me and, and therapy. Thank you. Therapy is important. Y'all. Everyone got to do therapy. You know, it really helped me get to this place of, you know, despite my mom, like not having that emotional connection or availability with me, or just having been direct with me a lot growing up or scapegoating me and always treating my sister like the golden child, at least from my perspective, because she was the youngest, you know, like, despite all that, I, I had to learn that it's not that my mom loved me any less after we lost dad, she had to love me differently. Mm. Um, and so I've come to a place where, because I can see my mom now for what she did, it makes me feel seen, you know? And I think like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of work I think that we all have to do in all of our broken families. I'm really speaking about myself, but I'm sure a lot of people can relate as well, you know, to find that healing so that we can have conversations like this to celebrate what it means to be Filipino or Filipina or Filipinex and discover where we go from here. And so the fact that, you know, you're here and, and you're helping other people feel seen or helping the kids feel seen. I just want to bring light to that and appreciate this moment. I don't know. I'm just feeling really grateful right now. <laughs> oh, thank you. You know, sometimes as a teacher, you kind of just go unnoticed sometimes. So this is really nice. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, especially as a Penai, um, there aren't a lot of Penai teachers. But yeah, I thank you. I appreciate being appreciated. Um, I always tell my students, we do appreciations every day, mm. um, but that it's important to appreciate each other because we know one, it's kapwa. We don't know Phil, who's going through what, you know, making sure they feel seen. Every, a lot of the things I do is making them, you know, feel seen and heard. And um, so I teach fifth grade mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't think that they have a voice, especially Filipino girls. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. You know, they're often looked as, you know, small Asian they, they can't say anything, but I'm trying to really empower them and searching for their voice, you know, using it 
and really making sure that they love themselves. And even though my daughter is, she's only like not even two yet, but that's my goal as a mom. That's my goal as a panai. That's my goal as a teacher to make sure that um, that she loves her culture. You know, she loves herself, um, and that she uses the power of being a panai to inspire others. Yeah. You know? I did want to also add how amazing it is to see children's books that have her in it. You know, they have a bunch of books with Tagalog words. We have the Beautiful Eyes book. You probably have that too, right? I don't have it yet, but everyone keeps sending it to me saying I need to get it. Hero has a whole bookcase full of books already. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, because on our registry, I just put hella Filipino books. (laughs) Love That one store in SF that has all the... Filipino books and like especially a good kid section too so we have a lot of books but I'm like yes I want that one too yeah so yeah that was maybe you could borrow it next time (laughs) I've seen Kenny's collection at home and I feel like there are some books on her I I know I don't have (laughs) I stole this one from her collection (laughs) these two are actually from you know people in pet as well oh okay yeah, yeah, so. that's beautiful. So I will have to get the names or just borrow them from you guys. Yeah, there's Lapu Lapu too, like the first hero of the Philippines. So. Beautiful, but isn't that cool? Like our children, yeah, see, you know, Filipino history right there at the tips of their hands. And yeah, that and is. I love that. You know, it's just been stories. But then again, I feel like our ancestors. We're just so raised to not share their stories. So, right. so this generation's so tight that we're trying to uncover them. So I'm telling you, the work you guys do is amazing. Thank uh-huh. you. Yeah, I mean, I think one part of it is fighting for those resources that are more like kind of available, like in a school format, like mm-hmm. what you're doing. And then another kind of the new age way that we're sharing information is by all these social media platforms, by podcasting, which is like the new kind of, citizen journalism or news media kind of resources. And so it's a combination of both. And I love that we are making sure to show up in all of those spaces, not just trying to, you know, insert ourselves into one or the other. And then on top of that, really taking on that personal responsibility in our own lives with our own kids. You know, like for me, if I had a girl, I feel like it would be so easy for me to pass down what it means to me to be up in eye to her because I would just copy what my grandma did with me, mm-hmm. you know, but with a boy, it's like so different. Like, I don't know what to do with a boy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that that has also brought a lot of conversations out, like you were saying with your mom for me and my dad. Um, and even, you know, like I'll text Kali'i sometimes and be like, you know, like, what do I call his private parts? I think I asked Stacey <laughs> that too. I think I asked Stacey and Jen that too. But those are like little things that you know, are part of my cultural identity that mm-hmm. I don't know how to pass down to avoid because now the people that pass it down to me, my grandma and grandpa are both passed away. So it's just really special to me to have all of you guys as resources, all of you guys as part of my family, because I'm going to need help, <laughs> you know? stick <laughs> together. Exactly. So, but yeah, that was a great segue because the next thing that I wanted to kind of talk about is for you to dive in a little bit with your personal relationship with your daughter, Kenny, Kenna, and kind of what it is 
I think she's still like so young. How are you really like teaching her anything? But I'm sure you're, you know, finding ways to do that or making plans to do that as soon as she's like old enough to grasp, you know, pick up what you're putting down. So do you want to just dive into your relationship with her a little more? I know it was also really special in your last program that you got to bring her to work with you. So she was kind of present for everything that you were doing and you know, what a once in a lifetime opportunity to do that too. Right. Yeah. I love that girl. She's crazy. So I guess a little background. Um, her name's Ikenna and she's named after one of her ancestors, which is your ancestor too. Yes. Um, her name was Edna. That was Patricia's and, or do you want me to call you Patricia? It's okay. You call okay. me Patricia. <laughs> Everyone knows. Yeah, so Patricia's and my husband's grandma, that was really close to them. So Ikenna is the Hawaiian translation of Edna. So that's why it was really special. Oh, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, so to get into the culture with her, she's starting to talk a lot more. Mm. And so one thing that I lacked as a kid was, you know, learning the culture or not culture, but learning the language more, Tagalog more. And so we're starting with a book that my mom actually got her and it's called like Ano Ito. And then there's a bunch of things in the book, like, you know, Mangangulay, um, colors, and then body parts, you know, eyes, ears, down to the food, you know, like what is bread and all these things. So that's where I'm starting because she's, she is still in that baby talk, but she'll say no. Yeah. <laughs> she knows no, <laughs> but that's where I'm going to start. <laughs> and also with songs, you know, Bahai cool. Well, because she's a singer. So that's where I'm trying to access her as a learner. Here's the teacher talking, but access her <laughs> as a learner, just, you know, bringing in the songs, bringing in the language. And so one thing I wish I had too is my husband's cooking skills. So <laughs> I, so I want to learn how to do more of my food with her too but I think that's my husband's thing I'll jump in but that um, is definitely like, his thing yes that's the thing so I mean, I mean I tried to but he'd rather do it you know yeah, okay he's good at it so uh, we just let him yeah just, you know I'll, I'll make dessert or something we'll make the cookies yeah yeah, yeah so we'll make the cookies. um so just things like that I want to get her into you know eating some Filipino food Mm -hmm. um, and part of me, uh, part of what I think being Filipino is too, is, you know, of course, being respectful to your elders and honoring them. So she's already at that point where she loves her grandmas and grandpas. She's trying to think of more things. It's really just a language. But as she gets older, I do want her to become more involved in the community. So since I'm in a big Filipino community, I want to start bringing her around to Undiscovered. I don't know if you've heard about that, but in San Francisco, they have Undiscovered. And yes. really being a part of that and just really instilling kind of that nurturing thing. I know she's young, but she's very good at taking care of things. She'll throw away the trash. She'll, she's so good. She, she'll trash and she'll throw it away or she'll spill, oh she'll spill it up. <laughs> or um, she's, I don't know if you saw, I'm sorry, moving for the sun, but uh, Patricia, I don't know if you saw my story the other day. But she was already taking care of a little baby at her daycare. I was like, oh my gosh, she's showing cup walk. That's cup oh, walk. You know? I'm like, sexy. Yes. You're going to cut you, be gone, you know? Yes. Just like, that's, that's that. So just kind of, 
as she gets older and starting to be aware of others, I really want to instill that practice of treating others the way you want to be treated, which is kapwa, and really taking care of others. That's kind of the road I want to go down. And of course, you know, all the cultural stuff. So getting into into you know, the dance scenes, because that's big with me. Jen, I don't think you know this about me, but I love dancing, any oh. kind of dance scene. So I don't know, you see me cha-cha. But then I also Tahitian dance too. And I've done the, wow. you know, clean and... I've never been a dancer. So like I ran, I like ran a Filipino culture night in college and I just had everyone else dance. I was like, I will direct, I will write the script. I will, you know, do what I need to do. I'll put my foot down on things, but like y'all can do the dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Luckily it turned out that one of my childhood best friends, like knew someone from our high school who like grew up like teaching Filipino dances from just even pre-colonial times and all Mm -hmm. that. Like, I mean, if it wasn't for them, oh my gosh, I don't know what my Filipino culture night would have looked like, but yeah. Yeah. That's one way I express my culture is definitely by performing. So that's one way. So I'd like her to get in that one day and just to kind of love being Filipino. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, I think like small, you know, we're really starting small, but she's actually making me, you know, I'm learning from my daughter, you know, she's almost two, but I'm learning from her and the kind of mom that she's making. How do I say that? I'm definitely learning from her and she's teaching me how to be more of a panaya as well. I love that. I mean, <laughs> very often what Nani and I find when we do the show is that it's really when Panay becomes a mother, when they feel more invested in, you know, preserving the culture and even teaching it. So I think it's just a beautiful thing that you're doing. And this is what I often say on the show, like, you know, we're going to be Filipino for the rest of our lives. So what's the rush? We don't have to like teach everything. Right. And plus, you know, she's still young. And even though she may not like grasp everything, she's still absorbing it, you know, and, and it's like you're the body remembers. Right. And so like everything that you're showing her, like in your own example um, and your husband's example and, you know, just your family, your community, like you said, the fact that she was already practicing Kapwa, <laughs> you know, at, at such a young age, like, you know, sometimes it is all about action more than words. And, you know, when I look back at my relationship with my mom throughout the years, actually, I was thinking about this the other day too. It's like, I don't actually remember because I, you know, like I mentioned, I was 10 when I lost my dad, but I don't actually remember what he told me other than like some lullabies he used to sing to me. But like, I always remembered what he did for me. I remembered his presence. I remember doing stuff with him. I remember him doing stuff for me. And I think that's really the spirit of the generation that comes before us is like their love language is acts of service. You know, so I think that with your daughter, there's no rush to teach her because she's clearly going to be Filipino for the rest of her life. And it's great to see that she's off to a great start already practicing Kapwa. Yeah, I love what you said, Jen, about just that they'll absorb it. And I think, again, it's great that they're exposed to it. Yeah. At my age, I was not exposed to it at all, you know, especially, again, in books. Mm -hmm. And also in shows now, like Joshua De La Cruz is the Blue's Clues guy, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, that's huge, you know? Like, he looks like me. He's on TV, you know? Yeah. It's it's really cool to see that. And I'm glad my daughter's going to grow up with that. And he wrote, you know? So it's really interesting. And you just reminded me, so things like this. So I'm wearing a malo. Mm. And this reminds me of kind of motherhood because this is what I, I knew this as, you know, kind of a form for dance. 
But what I real what I kind of discovered what it is is you could carry your baby in a mono. And I'll give I have a bunch that my Ninang brought for me because we use these for the wedding, for our wedding. Oh, I, have yeah. this, I have this on tables and it's kind of and I shared this with since it's Philippinex American History Month and you know. So I'm really going hard at it in my class. So <laughs> I, I explained this to them too, how it's beautiful, how it's not just fabric, but it has this sort of infinity. And we learned this in PEP too, but it's this infinity kind of thing where, you know, it just kind of, you know, we use it as a wellness thing. Yeah. And everywhere. But it's like this circle, it's infinity. And PEP used it as um, wellness. Like, you know, if you wear it, you know, you're taking care of, and this is like PEP you know, that you're being taken care of. It's kind of a a mothering or nurturing symbol as a pinai, as a Filipino mom. And actually, I don't know if it was this one, but I tried to put Kenny in it. She wasn't the type of sling person, but I tried to hold her in this once because you can. Yeah. You know, you could wrap it and make it. Oh, you have to show me. I'll give you one. Yeah. um, Yeah, I just wanted to point out that that's what I'm wearing right now. And how everything in the Filipino culture is so symbolic and it's, it's so beautiful and it makes me really proud to be a Filipina. Yeah. You know, when I, when we first got on video, I already got the mother vibes from that, from your, from that. So I was like, I couldn't even, I, I didn't even know it like instinctively. I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, like, not that I was assuming you're a mother, but yes, you, I know you are a mother, but it's like something about it has that maternal vibes, you know? <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you do everything in this. You carry them. You'll probably carry hero and I'll give it to you. <laughs> Thank you. I want to. That was like a great tidbit to drop since it is Filipino American History Month. And since mm-hmm. you are, you know, teaching that to kids in your classroom. Also, I see your spirited away. Is it a book? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's not Filipino, but I like that still. That's one of my faves. We've already talked about that. Yeah, in the spirit of Filipino American History Month this month, what are kind of the main things, and you don't have to share all of them, obviously, because it's a whole month's worth of curriculum, I'm sure, but what are like the main things that you are highlighting for your students this month? We're going hard. We're going hard, Patricia. Today. <laughs> I love it. Today. <laughs> I taught them how to tinically. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes. What did they do? I have. What would you, sorry, what was it? Did you How did they do? It was so tight. I mean, I don't know. You don't have to put this in there, but here's a video <laughs> of them. I just want to show you. I'm so proud. Oh, I want to see. Yeah, Wait. we have to see this. <laughs> Wait. For video only. For listeners. video. <laughs> yes. Make sure you're watching. I was, I was sweating so hard. <laughs> Let me. <laughs> Hold on, let me find a good one when they were they got it. <laughs> they got it. Yeah. How long did this take them? <laughs> oh, like thirty minutes. So I have thirty minutes to teach like the mm. culture, and then we did the activity. Let me. See. I love that. It was fun. Okay, is this a good one? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let me see. Sorry. So yeah, well, as you're looking, I, I and you can answer this like later, but I'm curious. I mean, yes, I understand that. I think it's amazing how the school allows you like, you know, 30 minutes a day, is it? You know, yeah, to talk about like something cultural. Now, is it like, could it be any culture or is it like because you're Filipina, you've chosen to teach Filipino culture? Yeah. So 
this school, since we're in a big Filipino community, it starts in, it's just a language program that I think is the only one at this school. So it starts in kindergarten and it goes all the way up to middle school. We have a middle school down the street. Mm. So yeah, so we teach, you know, the curriculum from kindergarten. And so that same class, they kind of move up together. But once they get to fourth and fifth, the class sizes, they start to shrink. So Mm. it goes to four classes into three classes and then into two classes. So that's me. I'm the Filipino biliteracy class and then my team member is a general ed. Mm, So we do the same thing. We teach the same curriculum. It's just that every day we have to teach 30 minutes of Filipino language and Filipino culture. So, which I'm totally on board with. Yeah. I wanted to, there were positions open for younger grades, but I was like, I didn't want to be with my Filipinos and I want to teach this yeah it was really inspired but okay yeah no I, I think that is that's a dream you know I think for anyone who has kids to want to take them through a public school system or a school system in general in America that's going to teach you about Filipino culture it just right. you know once again I appreciate having Nani in the Bay Area because I feel like in just you being there I can kind of like peek into a window into the life of what it's like to be you know, heavily involved in the Filipino community. Anyway, Kiana, if you want to share the video, you're also oh proud of. <laughs> I don't know if this was one, but this is them. Wait, ah, oh, this is in it. Hold on. Let me just, <laughs> just, just you know. There's me. Oh my god. Wait. Oh my god, fun. Oh wait, here's, here's me. Ki- you see the kids here, with the sticks. You can see me there. I go, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> But there is, so tomorrow, so this whole week, so get to get back on your question, this whole week, yes. um, we're focusing on the dances, but I'm also going to implement more American stuff. So not just the dances, I want to highlight Filipino, Filipina, Filipinx dancers here too. So I know, you know, there's dances around here and I kind of want, and also musicians that are Filipino that I want to highlight too. So it's not just like the cultural folk. So we're going to do that and also do the what. What are we doing now? Yeah. Um, so today we started with Tinikling. And then tomorrow we're going, I think it's called Bandago Sa Ilao, where it's the, you know, where oh, No, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I have done it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we're doing that tomorrow. So that'll be fun. And then next week, so everything that I do, I try to really match my students, which is really important to me. I, I want to make sure that... You know, they're interested in it. Um, they see their self. That's in everything. In reading, writing, it's like, is this for my students? Okay. So next week, they're, all of them are into like rap music and just music in general. So I'm actually going to have um, one of my pep people, one of my pep colleagues who is actually working with Ruby Ibarra. If you don't know who Ruby Ibarra is, she's like a tight Filipino MC rapper she's so so amazing and she if you haven't listened to her stuff she really digs deep into mm-hmm. you know the trauma and kind of the fight for being Filipino and the future so she's really cool and so next week yeah. is more about music and kind of the penoise and music so we're going to analyze Ruby Bar's lyrics 
in and in Tennessee. Great so idea. this is why I like fifth grade too. They're at that age where they can interpret what it means to them. Mm-hmm. And so see, this is how I could use it with non-Filipinos. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, okay, like mm-hmm. how does, what does this lyrics mean to you? And how can you relate to this culture? It's a lot of, wow. a lot of content that's invested in ethnic studies, which I'm, I'm very passionate about. So that's what we're going to do next week. So it's like music. And um, so Rocky G is the one that I'm going to have to talk to my class and he's a musician. So, mm-hmm. and then like next week, the week after that is food. So it's a lot of things that they like and I'm going to try to connect it to them and also, you know, Filipina, Filipina history month. So it's a lot of, a lot of stuff being planned, but. Um, wow. They're gonna have to... <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. So I'm, I'm going really hard on this. Like, yes, let's have a pot. Let's have a kamai. For kids, too, I can just see like a whole food fight breaking out. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, maybe not. But my class, they're great. I, they're such a great group. And I just think that this generation, so, you know, what they call woke. Yeah. So it's easy to really talk about social justice with them, to think about, you know, unfairness and. And yeah, about empathy and respect, which is also in the Filipino culture. So mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate to be teaching at a school that allows me that freedom. Yeah, I think that's also one thing that I try to do, you know, on this podcast or with my blog or just in conversations with people too, is like, Jen, when Stacy asked us to do this project about your dad and my grandpa about Filipinos in the service, and she told us, you know, to write our paragraphs as if we were speaking to like a sixth grader, you know, like how can you relay this kind of heavy information that's like really content heavy in a digestible way for someone that is not related to the issue or to what you're talking about to understand and to be able to like grasp the impact of it, you know? So I think that that's an important point, not just for like talking to younger kids, but also like you said, talking to non-Filipinos of any age it's like how can you make this relatable content to them so that they you know care about what you're saying so that they want to retain this information and care to like you know tell it to somebody else maybe or you know however they want to use it to use it not just hear it in one ear and out the other so I think that that's another really special thing about getting to work with kids as young as you do but kind of like you said at that sweet spot age where they're still able to like interact with the information and not just be like, you know, you're talking to them and they don't talk back. <laughs> yeah. So it just reminded me of one thing when we were doing colonization in the Philippines. So where I, and I liberated this from also PEP resources, but what we did, I had them write four things they can't live without. Right. So a lot of them, but Fortnite, <laughs> you know? Fortnite games, right. But I was like, <laughs> okay, like what are things you can't live without? And I gave them my family. So they put family, my mom, or they put my mom, dad, um, food, water. And then I told them, I was like, would you say that these things mean a lot to you? Like you can't live without them. Yes. Like this is mine. It's like, okay, hold it to your heart. Right. You know, all these things, hold it to your heart. Like these are the things you can't live without. Okay. Now hold it up. Right. And then I went over to each table. So that's mine now. Sorry. You can't have that. That's mine now. Oh Sorry, it. I don't even care what it is, you know. Let me see that one. Oh, you, your mom. Oh, sorry, it's like, I don't care. And then so <laughs> that kind of that kind of dove into 
what colonization was about. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is a felt. good lesson. Oh my so they're just like, what? And then I, so I, I asked, like, how, do, how did that make you feel? You know, why? And then they're like, I'm angry. I, I want to I hit someone. I want, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What else do you feel? And it's like, these are this, I was telling them, these are the same feelings that Filipinos, Filipinas felt when they were colonized for how many years, you know? So they can understand, you know? So it was really interesting to figure, like, wait, what? And then you have these people trying to fight me for me not to take it from them. So it's like, yeah, see, that's what they're trying to do. So it's the same, you know? And it's just like, okay, what do we do now? You know, how did that impact our life now? It's like, oh, I can have all this stuff now. It's it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great activity. How creative. Like, did you come up with that on your own? I, no. So, no. Okay. I, I, liberated, I liberated it from one of our PEP lesson plans. Oh, yes. You just said that. That's, that's so, good. That's wow. really good. That's like, I mean, I felt the trauma. Yeah, <laughs> you know? not the case. Like, that's really good. It's just a piece of paper. But, right. like, I felt it. You know? yeah, I was really like, hold it to your heart. This is yours. <laughs> you know? Now it's mine. <laughs> Well done. But yeah, so like, I guess for, I don't know, listeners, it's like they, these children are capable, you know, of knowing yeah. their culture and knowing the feelings and emotions, you know, it's teachable. And I'm really glad that I get to do that. And I could do that for, you know, this generation and so on. So it's really, it's a really cool situation that I'm in. Yeah, you know, as you were explaining that activity, um, because right now I'm actually, because Nani and I are going to be doing a Chismas with Jenna Nani special with one of her best friends about the book America is in the Heart. And so I've been listening to it. I'm currently on like chapter nine or 10. But, oh, cool. you know, like just. 14. Huh? I'm on like 14. I realized that when oh. I started listening to it again on Audible, that I had already, that I've already read it like I've already okay cool cool yeah in in my downtime now at nighttime now this is like super random but I decided to like get back into crocheting (laughs) and so so, (laughs) because I can't just listen like I if I if I I can't just like listen to an audiobook or podcast I have to keep my hands busy so I typically play like Tetris or something like that and so but I was like no I need to do something I want to do something productive like I want to have a product at the end of this not just playing Tetris and then my score always gets erased when I leave the tab you know when I close the tab but anyway that's a you know, conversation for another time. I'm reading about the part where, and I don't remember all the characters' names, but the father where his his land was essentially like taken away from him. And and this is not really a spoiler alert. I don't think it is, but you know, just that feeling of like, I remember, I think the dad was, or one of the characters was asking like, are they just allowed to take our stuff like that? And then the dad was like, yeah, or not the dad, but I think the brother said like, yes they can like with the new regime or whatever they were explaining and I hope that me like not explaining this well doesn't spoil anything but you know with the new regime it's like yes they can take your stuff away so when you were explaining that activity I felt the words that I was listening to when I was listening to America is in the heart so just wow that's impactful (laughs) so yeah I mean just Keanu you're amazing I feel your heart and your passion and maternal vibes, not just for your daughter, but even for, you know, your, your kids, your students here. And in listening to our entire conversation today, at least for me, what I'm sort of taking away is that we have, you know, come from a generation of survival to now a generation of being seen and fighting for that, you know, so that in the future, the new normal is 
we just take up space. Like there's no question about it. There's no insecurity, no self-doubt about taking up space. It's that we're here, you know? And so that's sort of what comes to mind in, in hearing us all talk. And, you know, again, it's very affirming to hear this. And, you know, I, I feel like Nani and I are, you know, as we are going through Filipino American History Month and having these conversations, it makes me feel like we're going to end really strong and I'm going to have really good feelings that will continue to, you know, echo even after, even while in the off season. But anyway, before we talk about the off season, because we're not there yet, we still have plenty of time this month. Kiani, you know, I, I was thinking about Atta Allison and how she really, I think the word that I want to use is like maybe amplified or something, but she like really popularized ethnic studies. Mm-hmm. I think in the school system, when we think ethnic studies, it's like, oh, this is just the school system checking off the box that we acknowledge that there's different ethnicities here, you know, in America. But I think she really popularized it and celebrates it. And I'm, I'm just kind of curious to know, and maybe you don't know the answer to this, but, you know, will we ever see like just a complete expansion of like Filipino culture and language Like, will we ever see it branch out completely where it's not necessarily ethnic studies? It's just Filipino culture. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm trying to ask. Mm -hmm. And do you think we could? (laughs) No, I, oh, and this brings up something too. But, um, I mean, I hope so. (laughs) You know, it's such a strong thing. That's not only beneficial for, you know, school, but just treating others well. Yeah. You know, again, like Filipinos have that hospitality and that kapwa. And I think that's ethnic studies right there. You know, just understanding people and and making sure they're seen and making sure they're heard. And that's ethnic studies. And I hope that using Filipino studies allows that to kind of gear towards that empathy and respect for each other you know so I wish I had the answer I wish I could say yes but that would be an amazing uh, thing to see in this world that does remind me that one of my goals was to as a mom too is to hope that my Kenny girl can be in pep one day to learn about this too so that's a side note but um I just remembered I wanted to say grandfathered in (laughs) (laughs) but a life lesson I feel like there's different audiences. So a life lesson like for my students, for children in general, is to just, just to realize that life is such a process, mm. especially being a person of color, especially for being a Panay, a Panoy. But to acknowledge the struggle and to acknowledge the hard work towards that and just to really love yourself while doing it. But while you're doing that, to make sure you're honoring the ones before you. So like, I owe a lot to my mom. I owe a lot to Ata Allison, to Manantan, just to my grandma, you know, just to all the women who paved the way for me to be where I am right now. And I hope I'm making them proud, you know, just by sharing our culture, making sure that their stories are heard. And I also do that by sharing the stories that I've heard to my students. So now they're learning about me and learning about my grandma. So that's a life lesson to my students. To teachers, there's a lot, I don't know. <laughs> to teachers, it's just to, you know, make sure, especially my Filipino teachers here, it's just to make sure that we are not only highlighting the fluent speakers, but also the ones who are working hard on finding what it means to be Filipino. 
So coming from a teacher, everything is about progress and progress and making sure that you become the best person, making sure you become the best person as you walk out my door. You know, you come in and when you leave, you leave as a person getting better versus learning more, a better person on just your personal stuff. But I guess it's just to make sure that your students are seen. For moms, sorry, there's a like, I don't know. I can't hey, really go with it. One. We never, we never said to just pick one. But no, we had really like past guests, like do a couple, you know, yeah, there's no limit. Yeah, yeah, there's really no like, limit. It just depends on your time. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. It's just, this is how for me, I have to break it down or, I, or my brain doesn't process, but do you. Right. So I guess for moms, it's just to prove always, I guess the life lesson that I learned as a mom is to, to really instill that nurturing, that nurturing vibe, you know, to make sure that they're loved no matter what. Such, such a mom thing to say, but it's true. You know, <laughs> to really, I don't know, just to instill those values that you've learned from your moms as well. I don't know. That's very cliche. I feel like that's been heard a lot, but it is. No, no. I think that you're running with the theme and the theme that I'm noticing is just validation, you know, like you are working so hard. And also we, you know, with this podcast, our kind of generation or community that we have today is working really hard to like validate the next generation. And that comes from the work that we've had to do to validate ourselves because of the lack of validation that we've seen with our, you know, parents and grandparents generation. So I think that that is just the theme that I'm noticing, you know, in all the different groups that you cater to, whether it's your child or your family at home or your students or the pet community even is like this theme of validation. And I think that, you know, in your words, you can put that into whatever words that you feel necessary but I think that that's not cliche at all and even if you do think it's cliche it's something that we need to kind of keep feeding into our heads because as much as we talk about it you know like we Jen and I just shared about going on our break like we still need that sometimes and it's it's difficult to like take that responsibility on yourself you know if the conversation is happening 100% in your own head how are you ever going to get out of it how are you ever going to expand So it is important to continue to bring it up and continue to highlight all the different ways in which we need validation. So, yeah. That was beautiful. Nani always does a tremendous job. Yeah, I I totally said that. (laughs) What? Yeah. Wow. Just copy paste. Yeah. (laughs) But thank you for that. And it just makes me think about all the new moms. You know, you, Monique, you know, Marissa, all of our family members. Now my sister's next. She's in December. Oh, and I kind of, yes, a girl. Another, another, oh pin line, another girl. Pin so it just makes me realize too, like, okay, this is the next generation. We have, we have a goal here. We have a goal for them to one, be leaders in this world, to, you know, make sure they know their community so they can be part of their community. I guess that's with me. Community is huge. And I think that's why, because I come from a big Filipino family. But I guess a life lesson that I've learned is to use your community and to use your resources. I always used to think like, ah, I don't want to bother Dr. Allison. You know, she's doing a lot. Or I don't want to bother 
some of my pep colleagues, but here's my life lesson. Use your resources because they're here to help you. Ata Allison always provides me their resources. She has my, you know, down to like my letter of recommendation, you know, and then resources to teach in my class or just even, you know, mental health stuff. Like what you need, you know, how can I support you? It's huge. So life lesson, use your community or if you don't have a community, like I'm sure there's ways for you to find one. That's another conversation, I guess. But I hope these life lessons are inspiring. I don't know. I'm just... (laughs) Yeah, I, I wanted kind to of feel like I'm running out of words. But. <laughs> no, I got you know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Nani always does a, a tremendous job summarizing. Yeah. Even when I just kind of go off, she somehow makes sense of all of it. And you know, one thing I find even from our listener feedback is that we always somehow find an overall theme <laughs> for these conversations. But I, I actually appreciate you sharing all the life lessons because. It also is an example of how multifaceted we are, how as a Panay, there's so many different layers to us. You know, you're not just a teacher, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a sibling, you know? And so to be able to give those lessons to, like Nani said, to the different groups that you're involved with, I think is beautiful. And the other thing I wanted to add is like, you know, that validation um, that we need, it's like you can hear it one time, but just like with a shower, as soon as you get dirty, you should shower, right? I mean, you should probably shower before you get dirty, but the point <laughs> is that like, the point is that like, you know, we, we constantly need it. And, and the other analogy I was thinking of just now is, you know, I think about like a scar and a scar, unle- like, unless you put cream on it all the time, you know, it's going to stay there. But even, even as you, you know, even if you make it part of your routine to put cream for the scar to go away, you know, it's still going to be there. Like you can't see it, but I have like a tiny scar under my eyebrow from when I was a kid and I ran into things. Blame my brother. He was my role model growing up. But the point is that like, we're carrying this generational trauma and it's probably never going to go away in our generation, which makes it all the more reason for us to validate each other collectively. Right. And so, you know, even just hearing about like, you know, grandparents that are no longer around, it's like, well, thank God for Kapwa, right? Thank God for community. That's what we're about is like, we can lean against each other, you know, and share our resources to not feel like we've lost something. And it's very reassuring. <laughs> I think that's really what I want to wrap up in saying is I feel validated in our conversation. So, you know, Kiani, I just want to thank you again for being on our show. And Nani, thank you for inviting your cousin. I'm curious to know if you would like to let people get a hold of you. How would you like for them to do that? Oh my gosh. Wow. We've never been asked this question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess my Instagram is the best way. I share a lot of stuff on there with motherhood, teaching, and just being an overall benign. So that's at, so it's my first name, Kiani. X Ikena. So that's my last. I was gonna say my last name. My no. daughter's name. Oh, no, my daughter. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's at Kiani X Ikena. Um, I also have another Instagram that's solely for teaching. It's at Penai Educator. Mm. I love but, it. Um, <laughs> so they can reach me there. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I also have to just comment like one final comment is I love how I see like two Dominguez's like on this call. Uh, <laughs> Your name. <laughs> like of all the people we've interviewed, Nani, like, you know, you've always been like, I mean, not that I've ran into another Amos to interview, but like, you know, it's just kind of cool to see your family name 
you know, in this conversation. I know my aunties that we've interviewed do not have last name Dominguez. So yes, this is a first, but yeah, I mean, on that note to end, I think that that makes me think of something that I wanted to bring up before about Papa, my grandpa, before he died, which was right around the time I feel like that you guys had Ikenna, maybe a little bit before, a little bit after, a little bit before, right? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, because he passed in November and she was born in January. Yeah. So, yeah, something he said to me when he was in the hospital is that you were the only one technically that could carry on our family name, the Dominguez family name. Miss Kali'i. Yeah, because Kali'i is the only boy. (laughs) Yeah. So I just want to thank you, you know, for doing that. And I know you guys plan on having more kids really soon. And I just feel really grateful to have you as a resource in our family and also, you know, learning how to navigate motherhood and being a new parent with you guys and that our kids will get to grow up together just like me and Kalee did and all the other cousins. And I think that that's just all I could hope for when I think about imparting, you know, my Filipino identity onto my son is really that, that tightness that our family has. I want that to stay the case and I want us to teach them what that means and what that looks like. And I think that it's a beautiful thing that we all seem to be on the same page with that. And I feel just so happy that we were able to get you in here on the podcast in time for Filipino American History Month, because what a powerhouse you are and all the amazing work that you're doing deserves to be recognized on the note of validation Um, and reassurance it deserves to be recognized and highlighted and promoted so thank you for everything you do and for sharing it with all of us today gosh thank you thank you oh I don't even know speechless yeah yeah I mean all glory to the ancestors and God and just all the ones who faithfully for me but I am so thankful for you asking to be on the show and letting me share my story it's making me think that I never really shared my story this way. It's just, of course, through conversation with you and through, you know, job interviews, you know, <laughs> but that's why I be, you know, why I would that. So thank you for creating this platform for me to share my story, you know, to share my passions, you know, my passions of being a teacher, a mom, and, and you know, my favorites in Filipino. So thank yeah. you so much. I enjoyed this a lot. Absolutely. Jen and I like to say that this is like our virtual living room here. So whenever you want to come back next time, we'll bring our drinks. Yes. <laughs> Please. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be in a different study. <laughs> oh yeah. Not in the classroom. We won't yeah, be yeah, yeah. Classroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should, we should start that up again, Nani, as you, yeah. you know, when you. Now uh, that I can you, do that. Yeah. yeah. Now that you can do that. Yeah. No, for sure. I like how we kind of been like, you know, just clean or dry this whole time but you know yeah, I can Jen do- and I used to get really drunk on this show like all oh, the time like, in the early like, days a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh-huh. I, I don't know if you'd want me to be <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know if you'd want me back on your show now now we have to do it and you are invited <laughs> awesome okay. well let me go ahead and wrap this up Keani once again thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure and of course for our listeners we'll have Keani's contact information in the show notes and Nani thank you again for co-hosting with me as well as bringing on your cousin I'm just again I'm so appreciative to be in community with you and doing the show because 
you know, going back in history, you're talking about history. When I first started the Filipino American Woman Project, I was doing all the interviews by myself. So I just appreciate, you know, kind of this ongoing accountability and support and sisterhood to, you know, keep this going. So thank you, Nani. Yeah, no, of course. And it's my, you know, opportunity to learn. It's my unconventional classroom, this space here. And the way that I've been able to find and connect with all these resources that really hold the mirror up for me and show me who I am. So it's through, you know, everyone that's been on the show who's been willing to share their story with us and just have a conversation and become a part of the Tifa family that has really just made such a, a difference in how I interpret my Filipino identity as a Kunai. So thanks to all of our Tifa sisters and our listeners and our family and to you, Jen, of course. Received. (laughs) And happy Filipino American History Month to everyone. Thank you for listening and we'll chat with you in the next episode. Bye.